Good morning and a very warm welcome on this cold day to our time of worship, the time when we acknowledge the worth of ourselves, of one another and of all creation. For those of you who don't know me, I'm David Francis Darling and a member of this congregation, sometimes here, and um, our minister, the Reverend Sarah Tinker, is having a well-earned holiday today, but she'll be back on Tuesday. We begin by lighting our chalice candle, the symbol of our worldwide liberal religious community. We light this chalice for the light of truth. We light this chalice for the worth of love. We light this chalice for the energy of action. And some opening words from the Reverend Cliff Reed. God of our hearts, whose oneness makes us one, in an unquiet world, let us be quiet. In an unpeaceful world, let us be peace. In an unkind world, let us be kind. In an unjust world, Let us be just. In an unloving world, let us be love. Make of our speaking the things you want us to say. Make of our deeds the things you want us to do. Make of us what the world needs us to be. So may our lives be a blessing to all, and our spirits the channels of your spirit. May it be so. Amen. Thich Nhat Hanh, as most of you know, was a Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk who um, was in Vietnam at the time of the Vietnam War, uh, did a lot of peace work. Um, He then came out of Vietnam and was unable to get back and dedicated his life to peace and reconciliation. And he now lives in France, where he's lived most of his life, and teaches uh, Zen Buddhism, but a Zen Buddhism that is available to all. And he writes this. The miracle of mindfulness is, first of all, that you are here. Being truly here is very important. Being here for yourself and for the one you love. How can you love if you are not here? A fundamental condition for love is your own presence. In order to love, you must be here. That is certain. Fortunately, being here is not a difficult thing to accomplish. It is enough to breathe and let go of thinking or planning. Just come back to yourself. Concentrate on your breath and smile. You are here, body and mind together. You are here, alive, completely alive. That is a miracle. Some people live as though they are already dead. There are people moving around us who are consumed by their past, terrified of their future and stuck in their anger and jealousy. They are not alive, 
They are just walking corpses. If you look around yourself with mindfulness, you will see people going around like zombies. Have a great deal of compassion for the people around you who are living like this. They do not know that life is accessible only in the here and now. We must practice resurrection, and this is an everyday practice. With an in-breath, you bring your mind back to your body. In this way, you become alive in the here and now. Joy, peace, and happiness are possible. You have an appointment with life, an appointment that is in the here and now. It is necessary to come back to the present moment in order to touch life in a deep way. We all have the ability to walk in the kingdom of God, to walk in the pure land of Buddha every day. You have all you need, legs, lungs, eyes and mind. And with a little bit of practice, you can generate the energy of mindfulness within you, just like lighting a lamp. Once you have become truly alive, Take a step and you will enter the pure land. You will enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a mere notion. It is a reality that can be touched in everyday life. The kingdom of God is now or never. And we all have the ability to touch it. Not only with our minds, but with our feet. The energy of mindfulness helps you in this. With one mindful step, you touch the kingdom of God. Some thoughts from Thich Nhat Hanh. The second reading I'd like to share with you this morning is uh, from a recent book by Rabbi Julia Neuberger called Is That All There Is? Thoughts on the Meaning of Life and Leaving a Legacy. Julia Neuberger was a rabbi of a reform synagogue in North London and then worked for a long time as the, I think it was the chief executive of the King's Fund, uh, which is a, a charity which looks at the NHS, basically, and health care in this country. And she did a lot of work on uh, looking at the, the needs of the older adult. So this is from her, the first chapter of that book. In Primo Levi's famous memoir, If This is a Man, he records the few who retained humanity and hope within the horror of the Nazi concentration camps. One of them was Jacques Samuel, nicknamed Piccolo, the youngest and smallest man in the group, who was less of an intellectual than Levi, but who spent his time in the camp thinking about maths as much as he could, and thereby continuing to be human, continuing to have hope. He managed to survive and died finally in 2010, aged 88, having spent most of his life living with purpose, yet telling few people, including his own family, about the horrors of his life. In modern society, we need hope too. As public life becomes less and less religious, in the UK at least, there is no longer such an overt, publicly shared sense of needing to believe that things will get better, 
beyond a purely materialistic view of the world. It was, uncharacteristically, President Nicolas Sarkozy of secularist France who argued for a blossoming of religions in 2008 on the basis that a man who believes is a man who hopes. And despite the secular world around him and his own growing scandals of excess, he was right. We need to hope in order to survive and to feel we have something to survive for. This means that working out what it is we wish to hope for in this life, the afterlife, or in the way in which we wish to be remembered is critical to our happiness. Yet the philosophy of carpe diem, of forgetting about tomorrow and not worrying about whether we have done anything to hope for, has had a powerful effect on our modern lives. In some way, it influenced the let-it-all-hang-out hippie culture of the 1960s, when society had had enough of rationing after the war and of worrying about nuclear deterrence. There is no doubt that being able to exercise the muscle of enjoyment is important. So I was delighted to read a piece by Mark Vernon entitled Carpe Diem in the Observer magazine which suggested we should translate the phrase differently. Instead of seize the day, he proposed harvest the day. Now that means something quite different. It no longer encourages us simply to grab and grasp. Instead it implies that we have some responsibility for what the day brings. We put into it some of what it gives us. And as Vernon makes clear, that attitude suggests another maxim which is to be found in the same poem by Horace and indeed in Jewish teaching of the period, and that is, live each day as if it were your last. This advice is not as blunt and selfish as it sees the day. Instead, it suggests that we have to be willing to put a lot into our day and indeed be ready to take a lot out of it, to experience from it as much as we can. Some thoughts from Julia Neuberger. Stop looking. Life is here and now. The seeds of this address were sown a couple of months ago when some friends from Edinburgh came to stay with me. They normally visit two or three times a year and their way of thanking me for their accommodation is to take me with them to the theatre. Though with the price of London theatre tickets I often think it would be cheaper for them to stay in a luxury hotel. <laughs> One of the performances we went to see was Pippin the musical. The show first opened in Broadway in October 1972. Can that really be almost 40 years ago? And it grew out of a show written by Stephen Schwartz, who also wrote Godspell. It's set in 8th century France, and Pippin is supposed to be the son of the Emperor Charlemagne. But as Scott Miller, uh, the critic, wrote in his analysis of the piece, though it is set in Charlemagne's France, it is about the here and now sprinkled with anachronisms 
in the costume and dialogue, it makes no pretense at actually being a period piece. Despite, it, despite its characters' names, it's about America as much as The Music Man or Oklahoma. It could also be said to be about Britain today. Pippin is a young man, just out of college, with plenty of energy, but no idea where to direct it. When he's confronted with the mundane realities of life and can't have his, his ideal life, he's angry and bitter and contemplates suicide by dramatically setting himself on fire. So it's not exactly an all-fun musical. But he is saved by a young woman, Catherine, who, as it were, steps out of the script, the storyline that Pippin's friends have created for him. She sees beyond the brilliant, powerful, ambitious young man and challenges him to see that love and joy and, yes, happiness can be found in the ordinary, mundane, daily living of life. He finally becomes an adult. By admitting that he is ordinary and by facing up to the realities of life, he is finally truly courageous. Scott Miller sees the musical as the rite of passage from adolescence to adulthood. But I wonder if I'm the only person here today who is still sometimes on that journey. There is still a part of me, sometimes a big part of me, that is still looking for that perfect lifestyle where I will be able to flourish as the person I was created to be. If only I had the right qualifications, the right job, the right colleagues, the right environment, the right lover, then I could really flourish. But this is what we've got. So a production like Pippin can reveal something of the truth to us. But theatre, television, film can also be a great barrier to the truth. It can create ideal, romantic worlds where every question is answered and every problem is solved. I didn't see it myself, but I was told that there was a program recently about the Waltons, that 1970s television series about the all-American wholesome family. Apparently, most of the actors in the series lived very different lifestyles in their own personal lives. Lifestyle choices that would never have appeared on the Waltons. A few weeks ago, I, was, I attended the, um, the hospital where I worked's award ceremony dinner. I wasn't receiving an award, but a couple of my staff were. One of the guests invited to present the awards was the actor who plays uh, Dr. Elliot in Holby City. In his amusing address, he said... He didn't know what all the fuss was about regarding the pressures of working in the NHS. At Holby City, they only ever had one patient in casualty at a time. <laughs> Normally, we have about 300 on a quiet day. On the other hand, perhaps EastEnders does go a bit the other way in showing us reality. I know for a fact that not all the people in the East End are depressed and angry. Thich Nhat Hanh might have just been watching an episode of EastEnders when he wrote, 
Some people live as though they are already dead. There are people moving around us who are consumed by their past, fearful of their future, and stuck in their anger and jealousy. Then he goes on. We must practice resurrection. And this is an everyday practice. With an in-breath, you bring your mind back to your body. In this way, you become alive in the here and now. Joy, peace and happiness are possible. You have an appointment with life. An appointment that is in the here and now. I love the philosophy that Thich Nhat Hanh teaches. But there is a danger that I can turn even his words into a false dream. I can be at one, at peace, while I'm reading his books but then not translate them into the realities of my life. It reminds me of a time in a previous life when I was a young friar living and working in Edinburgh. Part of our ministry was to the homeless, and men would come to the friary, which was a flat above a Chinese restaurant, uh, for tea and sandwiches. One afternoon I was sitting in my room reading a book on incarnational spirituality. It was written by an Anglo-Catholic priest who had worked in the East End of London and was part of the, the Catholic socialist movement that had flourished at one time within the Church of England. Oh, happy days. His main message was about uh, seeing Christ in the ordinary people and ordinary events of life. I was reading the book thinking how wonderful this message was and how much I wanted it to be the model for my ministry when the doorbell rang. I rather grudgingly and ungraciously answered the door to Jerry, one of our regular, slightly inebriated homeless visitors, who wanted a cup of tea and a peace, brother. Without really engaging with him, I made the tea and the sandwich gave it to him, shut the door, and settled down again to my reading my book on incarnational spirituality. I did at least have the grace to laugh at myself, as I realized that engaging in incarnational spirituality was exactly what I had not done with my encounter with Jerry. The danger, however, of realizing that I am not Mother Teresa, or even Thich Nhat Hanh, is that I could just stop trying. What I have to do is to accept that I am who I am, and I should still keep trying. And realize that in fact, Jerry wasn't that interested in me playing the part of Mother Teresa. He just wanted something to eat and drink. I enjoyed Mark Vernon's translation of Carpe Diem that Julia Neuberger referred to in our second reading. The idea of harvesting the day challenges me to harvest, to bring out the extraordinary from the ordinary. It reminds me that life won't be perfect, that I won't be perfect, but what I've got is what I've got, and I can be creative with that. And like Pippin, there may be a time when I have to step outside the storyline that others have created for me 
and be content with what is. In Cliff Reed's reflection, he challenges us to see the divine in the ordinary. But the Son of God, just let them get on with it, as he always has. And down the pub, he talked with a broken friend and brought him back to life. As we move out from here into the complexity of our varied lives, let us have the courage to harvest the present moment, practice resurrection, and see the extraordinary in the ordinary. Amen. The hours a religion which like sunshine goes everywhere, its temple all space, its shrine the good heart, its creed all truth, its ritual works of love, its profession of faith, divine living. So be it. Amen.